We're going to get started in a few minutes and I give people a chance to show up.
Hello, welcome to Crowdsourcing the Revolution. I'm Amanda Rice. It is September 23rd, 2022. And today's episode, we're going to, I'm going to cover the, um, who's on the ballot in November, because except for Louisiana, which unfortunately is a very special case. Uh, all the primaries have happened now. So the names that are going to be on the ballots in November for the states, for the U.S. Congress and Senate, where there are senators on the ballot. I also want to cover briefly the the mail-in absentee ballot timelines. When do the states generally mail those out, if that's something that your state does? Um if you look in the show notes, you'll see that, that there's a link to the shared Google sheet that has all of the detail that I'm going to go over related to the candidates that are going to be on the ballot in November. Uh, I also am going to do a few brief updates around the railroad labor dispute and the mental health care workers strike in California. Uh, and if we if we get a little bit of extra time and I, I, I will give a um, I'll give you a couple other details about what's happening with um, items that we've previously covered. All of that and calls. Who doesn't love that? I'm going to get right into uh, the information. One of the things, as as we entered this campaign season this year, I was so frustrated with the Democrats and the Republicans. Why not just replace everybody? So I undertook a project to try and figure out if if everybody agreed, you don't invo- you don't vote in the incumbent. How would that change the numbers? for Republicans versus Democrats in the Senate and the House. And it pretty much wouldn't change in the Senate. And it pretty much be almost identical in the House also, which is really kind of crazy, if you ask me. Hi, North. Welcome. 
So, so it, it also became clear to me that because of the way that primaries work and screw up our whole election system, um, and because it works different in every state, if you don't participate in the primaries, you will not have an option about who your candidate is you can vote for in the November election. And what do I mean by that? Well, most people either identify as Republican, Democrat, or independent. There's some, there's some second tier parties like Green Party, Libertarian Party that have quite a few people in them. Point is, if you aren't affiliated with a party, that there, there are currently, so if you're not affiliated with a particular party, and you live in, you happen to live in one of one of the states that has closed primaries, like Connecticut, Delaware, Florida, Kentucky, and so on. Again, the links on these will be in the show notes, and also Ballotopedia is my main resource for information related to election policy. So. I'm a Democrat. Let me let me do this as an example, make it a little bit easier. North, you're welcome to call in if you like. So if I, if I belong to the Republican Party, I do not. This is an example. If I belong to the Republican Party and I happen to live in Nevada, I am not allowed to vote for in anybody's primary except for the Republicans. And I have to be registered Republican before the day of the election. There are some states where you can decide the day of the election, hey, I want to vote for the Republican, so I'm going to register Republican so I can vote in this primary. Well, all of that is super complicated. Why would anybody even try and figure it out? Because if you're getting information from somebody like me, where it's a nationwide, there is no one-size-fits-all. Every state is slightly different. You can kind of group them into open primaries and closed primaries. And then there's another kind of primary because, you know, the West Coast is so special, called the top two primary, which is essentially a close. It's not like an open primary. Doesn't matter what party you belong to. You can vote in the primary for any candidate of any party. But because the top two candidates are who goes on the November ballot, you could end up with two Democrats, you could end up with two Republicans, because they're not going head to head in the primary. In California, it's kind of an issue because so many Democrats tend to run in California. But the top two primary is only in effect in Washington State, California, Nebraska, and Alaska. I want to, I'm going to go come back to this primary issue because I think we need to either eliminate the primaries or, or have them all be open. Because here's the reality. When I looked at the results of the primaries to try and see, because there are, it is easier than it used to be in some states to get onto the ballot if you're not a Democrat or a Republican or for for purposes of ease, let's call them the Redemicans, because, you know, same party. So in the primaries, there were 1,115 candidates total. And of those 1,000 candidates, 
only 215 were not Democrats or Republicans. Welcome, you guys. Rudy, Andrew, Martin, it's nice to see you. We've just kind of started um, just reviewing the what's going on from the primaries. So you may remember I idea that we just don't vote for any incumbents and what would that do? Which then brought me into this whole quagmire of primaries where we have some states are open primaries, some states are closed primaries, some states are top two primaries, which means they're open, but it doesn't guarantee a mix on the November ballot. So in the primaries, there were 473 Republicans running for those 435 seats, and there were 427 Democrats in the primaries. Other parties, of those 215, there was 17 from Working Families Party, which is kind of affiliated with the Democrats in New York. And if you know more about that than I do, then please feel free to call in and let me know what you know. The, the Green Party had four candidates in four states. There were 60 libertarians. There are 60 libertarians that are going to be on the on, that, that were running in the primaries in 23 different states. There were 60 libertarians running. Not a single one of them made, made the November ballot. I do want to talk briefly about, so, so there's 21 parties besides the Democrats and the Republicans and the Libertarians and the Green parties, not counting people who consider themselves non-affiliated or independent. There's 21 other parties, including the Congress Sucks Party, the Going Away Party, the People's Party, Peace and Freedom, MAGA Republican, Legal Marijuana Now. So there are people out there trying to do something with other parties, but it didn't get us anywhere because when you look at what are the results of this and who's on the actual ballot in November, let's see. I think there are almost no candidates that you could vote for that are libertarian or some other party besides Democrat or Republican. Which brings me to Alaska, which did an interesting thing by ballot measure they decided to do top four primary, open primary, meaning everybody, no matter what party or no party, is all on one ballot and everybody votes in that primary and you vote for four. No, you vote for one. And then when they count them, the people that have the top four vote getters then move on. Now this is an improvement to the top two system that's in California and Washington state and Nebraska because, and, and the difference is this, when you have top four, you're more likely to get somebody that's not a D or an R and it gives you a, um, a bigger field to do the rank choice voting. If you're not familiar with rank choice voting, and I suspect that those of you who are here at Colin are are familiar with it. Ranked choice vote actually allows for you to rank the candidates that are on the ballot from your most favored to your least favored. So if your most favored doesn't get over 50% of the vote, 
and so therefore doesn't win, they don't necessarily automatically become a loser. They just go down, down the stack. Because I wasn't planning on describing ranked choice voting, I don't have a good definition right in front of my face. I apologize for that. However, I'm going to power forward anyway. Oh, so the top four, so, so you vote for, so you vote in, in the primary. Now there are four people on the ballot for November and, and those will get ranked one to four by each Alaskan. And, and that, the idea of a ranked choice voting is that you, um, it, it's less, uh, you can't make the argument that somebody who's a third party will be a spoiler because I can give my vote to somebody who might not win. But what if other people like that person and they were going to vote for them except for that they couldn't win? Now, if we remove that kind of a veneer of, well, you can't win that way, it makes it a little bit easier for, for the non-Redemicans to make some headway. Also of interest, there are 92 non-party affiliated or independent candidates that were running in the primaries. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 17 states. And not a single one of them managed to get on the November ballot, which is kind of a bummer. And it does speak to what a lot of us here on call-in have been talking about that, that the pathway in is, is extremely difficult. Now, where should you look for libertarians? Libertarians are all over the Alabama ballot, all over it. There are also quite a few, where's my, there are also quite a few, um, Uh, the working people, the working party is basically New York. Do you guys, does anyone here know about the, the, um, the, the New York election system or party system where the, where the working families party caucuses with the Democrats? Okay. So, um, the the Washington the Washington primary is a, is a top two primary. There's ten districts, and I just really kind of found it interesting that in except that so in in eight of the ten districts they had at least three different, there, there are at least three different people to choose from on the primary ballot. Two districts, you could actually, there were actually five different parties you could pick from. And even still, with all of the candidates that were there that were no Democrats or Republicans, except for district two, that's what people will have to choose from in November in Washington state. Democrat or Republican for their district. It's just disappointing when we see nothing happening with those two main parties. 
And I want to give a shout out to libertarian Justin Greywolf because not only did he make an attempt to get into the November election and, and lost in the primary, he actually has a um, women's rights bent and he actually took the step that almost nobody did with um, the ERA coalition of filling out a candidate survey. So one of the ways that the ERA coalition determines whether or not a candidate supports the ERA is one, they ask them, two, the candidate can fill out a survey, which is what this did, Three, they look in the, in the public record. So what does it say in the newspaper about what they've said about it? What is any legislation background they might have? And, that, and that's like their evaluation based on publicly available documents. And they also give a negative based on publicly available documents. It is very unusual to have somebody who is actually filled out the voluntary survey and they gave him an ERA positive, meaning this is somebody who was really trying to make an effort to show that, that he has some values that people could believe in. And I, I think that that could be a way going forward for people who are non, non mainstream parties, not saying this person's perfect. It's also mentioned. I also want to mention him partially because Anybody who might be listening to this who might be a candidate at some point in the future, this is the only person who actually responded to me when I reached out to the campaign website email to try and talk to some of these folks about, about their primaries. He's the absolutely only one. And I just want to say that it does make a difference because I, don't, I know hardly anything else about the person except Grey Wolf is kind of a cool name. And he actually responded, and he's being responsive to issues in the, in the, in the mainstream. More than happy to have a call in if anybody has a question. I think one of the, in doing this exercise of going through all of these, all of these Oh, it's such a rigmarole of rules and different states have all these different, there's not even an easy way to find out in one fell swoop what it is in all these different states. As I mentioned earlier in the show, Ballotopedia has been a very um, useful resource and I've found it to be pretty um, solid in terms of its information. Next Saturday's show, I want to cover the 137 statewide ballot measures that are going to be on the 2022 ballot in November. I'm not going to cover all of them, obviously, but I want to kind of go over what are some of the main trends for types of um, types of measure ballot measures are on. And maybe we can have a discussion about what types of ballot measures would be good um, for the country to have or your, your particular state. I want to, I, I, I'm going to hop back on my hobby horse about, about local elections too. We, we, 
here on here on Colin, I feel like most people recognize and acknowledge that the system's kind of screwy, and we need to do something to fix it. One of the things we could do is we could eliminate primaries or force them to be open primaries. The way that primaries started was it was actually run by each of the parties, ran their own, so they could determine which which of the which of the Democrats or Republicans their members wanted to have be the candidate, and and that's not really how it works anymore because it's drifted so far. And I think that it would um, the way that I'm, I'm interested to see how the Alaska election ends up turning out, because Lisa Murkowski was actually she actually had lost her primary last time, and she won her office as a write-in candidate. So Alaska's doing things differently for whatever reason, but I'm interested to see what the results are going to be after the November 8th election. When it comes to local elections, though, those people have direct say over whether the pothole in your street might get funded to be filled or the highway is going to be moved or that neighbor is going to build a fence that's too tall or the cops. Your, your city councils, your county boards of supervisors, your town councils, whatever form of local government is closest to you does have an impact on your daily life. And if you and you ignore those elections at your peril sometimes because you don't know when the next big thing is going to happen, like, I don't know, COVID. And then you want to make sure that the people that are on the city council and and speaking for you and making kinds of restrictions or or undoing restrictions, that does have a big effect on you. The speeds on streets, that's a thing that's set either at the state or county level. It just depends on your state. It's also easy to show up at a local meeting, especially after COVID, because you can go through Zoom or some other program that, that different agencies have been using. I've wandered off to the side, so I'm going to bring it right back to the uh, the congressional campaign and election. I wish that there was an easy solution, but in in my personal opinion, as a person who was elected at, to a nonpartisan office, I can understand when you have hundreds of thousands of people that you have to represent. And, and I can understand that it's easier for people to understand what you represent if you belong to a party because I ascribe to these things. But I'm just going to say this. I've heard there's several Democrats who are anti-choice, and I've never heard of a liberal Republican. And there's just so much that doesn't cross any tease or drop any eyes when it comes to parties because they don't actually seem to stick to their platforms anyway. Nobody wants to call in? Really? <laughs> I like the sound of my own voice. 
Does anybody have any questions? Because otherwise what we'll do is we will. Red Giraffe, well, you're welcome to call in. More than, more than happy, more than happy to take your questions. I don't immediately look at the chat, but I am doing that now. And uh, I am definitely happy to answer questions, especially specific ones regarding states and what they're, because it's hard to, even with federal elections, because it's not run federally, there's no standard across anything, except everybody has an election November 8th, <laughs> which, well, at least we agree on the date, I suppose. Do you have a question? Ah, they did, they weren't coming up. Thank you, Martin. Ah, so Derek says, one of Allie's cult members recently revealed to us that Thomas Jefferson wrote the Federalist Papers. It was a shocking revelation. Who knows how much more we might learn? He's obviously a genius. Where is Red Giraffe? Do you have a question? Oh, a red giraffe. Oh, there you are. Do you have a question? I'm more than happy to answer if you've got one. Uh, so I kind of have been discussing all of the states. Um, the yeah, I agree. You're wasting your vote if is such a tired, lazy argument. I, 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 I completely agree, and yet they still use it. And and the 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 good news is is there's actually quite a few organizations that are working on these on these projects about getting ranked choice voting implemented in more cities and and across the country at the federal level and at the state level. If you aren't concerned about your state legislature, you might want to rethink that position because with the way the Supreme Court has recently been ruling and uh, there's a specific ruling related to, to elections and voting that could mean that disputes that would have otherwise gone to a third party or a judge will go to whoever the governor and the secretary of state of that state is. And that could cause some conflicts, I think, maybe, with what we would like to see happen, which is more sunlight, not more darkness. Unless somebody has a question... I think I'm going to wrap it there for today. The um, Yes, the mental health care workers are still on strike. They're going into week seven. I'm going down on Monday in Oakland to check on them and see what's going on. Maybe they'll get a deal over the weekend, although I doubt it. The rail labor dispute, there is finally getting to be more news out there, but it's still uh, in the alternative news and not yet really in the mainstream. 
So please push forward the message that this is this rail thing is not an overdone deal. There will be more trouble if if um, if the people in charge think that the rank and file in the labor unions are happy with what the tentative agreement is. I specifically want to say thank you to Rudy for his wonderful rooms that he keeps open for us during the daytime. If you see he's got a room open, please go ahead and check in there because it's usually a very interesting conversation. We talked briefly, yes, was it yesterday, about, about putting up some kind of um, resource, a website or a wiki or something where, where people could kind of start to build a shared library of information of images, of videos, of different things, kind of building a library for those of us who don't don't find that our views are very well represented in the mainstream. And who want to educate the rest of the people around us about what's going on. Yes, former teacher, guilty as charged. I just can't stop. I just can't stop. Thank you for coming to Crowdsourcing the Revolution. I'll be here on Tuesday afternoon, 2 p.m. Pacific, if you would like to call in then. If you're listening to this show later, thank you for listening. And check us out on Tuesdays and Saturdays on the call-in app. Thank you, everybody, for being here today. Have a great one.